For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Good morning, Zinger Nation. How is everybody doing today? My name is Logan Ross, and I'd like to welcome you back to Flight 82 aboard the Moon or Bust rocket ship. Your home for all things crypto at Benzinga. We have an exciting rally in the markets today. We have some great guests joining us. So without further ado, let's get the show started. Happy Mutant Monday, Ryan. How you doing? Right back at you, Logan. I'm doing well. Markets are still looking good. We are pumping right now, uh, but I'm not sure if we're out of the woods. We will definitely be taking a look at the markets today. We have a special guest to go over the markets today, Amar Guadam from Hyperlink. He's the CEO. Been trading crypto now for almost a decade, so he's going to give us some exclusive insights on how he's navigating the market. What's up with you, Logan? Uh, so picked up an, uh, another NFT yesterday. Uh, another pretty, heart. Pretty happy with it. Another heart uh, is one of like 45 of the mutant bodies. Uh, we, we will take a look at that in a little bit, but I really want to hear a Mars take on the markets. Uh, you know, Ryan, if you want to give a little intro or setup to Amar and Hyperlink um, before we bring him on, or we can just bring him on. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, let's, let's bring him on. He can intro himself. But like I said, he's the CEO of Hyperlink. Tons of trading experience under his belt, especially in crypto. So this should be a good segment. All right. Without further ado, Amar, welcome to Mooner Bust. Hey, Logan. Thank you for having me here. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Good, good. Glad to have you on today. Uh, let's sure. let's take a look at the markets. So I don't know if you have anything you want to uh, share from your screen or I can pull it up on my end if that works better for you. Um, Go ahead but... and pull it on your end. But it's it's a terrible... Uh, thing that I can't share my screen right now. I would have loved to show my application as well. Yeah, um, I would have. I would have loved to see it. But it's a very good start of the week, to say the Indeed. least. Yes. So, do you think is. we're okay. out of the woods yet? Do you think we'll see higher prices? Personally, do do I don't think we're out of the woods yet. <laughs> it's a good sign, but um, mm -hmm. the volatility is, is is a factor of multitude uh, of of things that's happening around us. Um, you saw some news which was not very good, and so we saw markets going down. We have stock market um, um, as as well this this uh, morning, and and that kind of uh, also impact Bitcoin uh, particularly. So there is a strong correlation, as I see personally. So um, we are not out of the woods. I hope we stay above thirty eight, uh, but let's see. But it's going to be an interesting week, nevertheless. All right, so I'm trying to get the chart sized up here so we can see the prices. I think that looks good. Can you guys read everything on there okay? Yeah. All right, cool. So let's start with Bitcoin. Amar, do you use Bitcoin as your leading indicator or something else? I personally primarily trade Bitcoin, but I've been getting more and more into Ethereum now. And I see that maybe in 2022, Ethereum might actually surpass Bitcoin. That's one of my predictions as well. Um, but I do look at Bitcoin primarily. Awesome. So what kind so, of time frame do you usually trade on, Amar? Do you usually look at one day, like daily candles, weekly candles, or more short-term hourly candles, 15-minute candles? Yeah, I don't trade very short intervals. Uh, I typically look at either four hours or a daily chart. Um, I don't do a lot of technical analysis. Uh, I'm, I play more on price movements, really. Um, uh, but I'm not a scalper by by any means. Hundred percent. So we are said, not you either. Price movements. What type of movements do you look for to indicate a buying or selling opportunity? I do look at fifty-week average. Um, I, I do come from like traditional markets, so I look at that. But there is there is there's less of technical technical analysis for myself. Like personally, I look at a lot of news and sentiments around it, and I think there is a lot of macroeconomic sentiments uh, that play in the market. Um, like news is very very important. Like you saw Russia banning mining, for example, uh, and then the news came that okay, Russia is not going to ban; they're going to charge. 
taxes. Uh, and then you saw news that Russia is going to charge taxes differently for individuals and institutions. Those kinds of news play um, into the market as well. You saw India um, uh, proposing 30% uh, tax on crypto gains, for example. Uh, you see a lot of institutional customers coming in and, and pouring in money into the market. So that impacts a lot. But as a trader, um, I don't see um, long-term trends in Bitcoin right now. Uh, the prices for me is too random at the moment. I love volatility. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I play on mm -hmm. both sides of the market. So it works out fine <laughs> in the end. What are your favorite indicators? I do use a lot of uh, Ichimoku, for example. But I've been looking at those. I'm a technical trader. Yeah, I've been looking at those, and I'm not a technical trader either. Amar, I really just do long-term swing trading. Uh, yeah. But we do like to use this bull market support band. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but Benjamin Cowan uses it a lot on his YouTube channel, and it seems like it's been proven time and time again. Uh, but it's two mm -hmm. moving averages. I think it's the 21-week EMA and 21-week uh, SMA. So we use those two a lot on the channel. We see that it's been holding as support in the past, and then we see breakouts after that. Uh, but we're still quite a ways below it right now. So, uh, I mean, anything can really happen, like you said. But these big green candlesticks lately, I mean, they're looking good to me. We haven't yeah. seen a huge spike in volume, but there's, there has been decent volume over the past a couple of days, at least to the upside. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, the price is going up right now, but we have to be a little cautious about the support and i think i'm still looking at 38 probably um but i think this week's going to be interesting and and i hope we don't retrace back to 30k but that's one of the things i'm very cautious about as well yeah it's definitely a possibility um yeah. so you said thirty-eight thousand dollars is one of your supports that you're looking at right now uh obviously we could still go down to 30k that's not out of the cards do you have anything uh any resistances you're looking at right now i'm personally looking at right around forty-eight thousand dollars for the next point of resistance uh, pretty close i was looking at 46 47 kind of in between there uh, but a little bit about the, the support itself and i i see a lot of chain on-chain data and i see lot of uh, whales hovering around 38 so it seems like a point where um, it, it probably will stay above that this week at least uh, it goes down it might retrace to 30k but 46 47 probably is the resistance we can only hope uh, I want to toss it out there to the chat real quick uh, what are you guys' thoughts on where the market is headed this week? And are, are there any coins that you guys have your eyes on? Drop a comment uh, in the chat below, and we'll get a chance to look at it today, hopefully. Also, don't forget to smash the like button if you guys are enjoying today's crypto content. If you're exciting, uh, excited about the move in the markets, let us know. Run it up. Um, but let's flip over to the Ethereum chart. So, Amar, what yeah. differences Logan, are you to noticing? Add to your com comment request, throw in some altcoins. I, I don't trade altcoins very often, but I'm very, very curious now. Definitely throw in some altcoins in the chat. We want to know what you guys have yeah. your eyes on. Uh, but, Amar, what, what differences stand out to you in the difference between the Bitcoin and Ethereum price, uh, you know, candlestick charts right now? Uh, not particularly chart, but I would talk in general. I, I think Ethereum has a lot of utility behind it. And so that makes it more interesting, uh, especially like the, the whole idea that Bitcoin could be used for daily transactions, for paying for stuff. Um, that doesn't seem like coming to reality very soon. And, and so Ethereum becomes more interesting to me personally. Um, yeah, uh, especially on the NFT side, for example. Mm hmm. So, you so what's your NFTs? thesis? Sorry, Logan. Amar, do you dabble <laughs> in NFTs? I'm just curious. Do you have any? Uh, are you trading them? Are you holding any? No, I'm, I'm looking towards minting an NFT myself. <laughs> okay, there I you got go. you. Something's coming, but I'm very curious. Do you guys do NFTs only on Ethereum or do you guys look at other blockchains as well? I'm very interested in Terra, for example. So I have I have most of my NFTs on Ethereum. I have a couple on Avalanche, but other than that, I don't go to other chains. I think the fundamentals are really there for Ethereum right now. It has the best history. Uh, you know, it's the most secure decentralized blockchain, in my opinion. So no I, I try and stick to NFTs on on Ethereum and the market's yes. largest on, on Ethereum as well. Yeah, the only only problem I see is there is there is this huge barrier of entry for smaller artists. 
And I think that mm-hmm. if that is sorted out, probably Ethereum will shine more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's where I see possibilities for other blockchains where uh, there's not enough interest, but there is possibility. And so smaller artists could potentially come on board on there. And so I'm pretty open about that. Amar, we saw a lot of alternative layer ones uh, yeah. gaining a lot of hype and traction in 2021. This year, I have a feeling it's going to be more towards the layer two blockchains, the scaling solutions surrounding Ethereum. Do you have any thoughts on, on this trend? Not particularly Ethereum as such. I'm, I'm not very knowledgeable. As I mentioned that I'm just dabbling into Ethereum now. I was primarily focused on Bitcoin, but layer two solutions are really, really important. And I think especially like Ethereum or Bitcoin, even on Bitcoin, I'm, I'm super interested in Lightning, for example. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's time that we focus on scalability as well. I, I think we have been focused too much on security and, and decentralization. But uh, whenever these three points come into play, like you could only balance out most of the time two of them. And the major focus has always been towards security and decentralization. That's where the scalability lags behind. But I think if we can work on layer two and and scale it up, I think adoption would be massive. Yeah, we saw Sequoia Capital lead a $450 million round into Polygon. That news broke this morning. Before that, the Polygon team had only raised $600,000 in venture capital money. This is a new era for Polygon, undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Sequoia is, is notoriously, um, you know, one of the biggest hedge funds that's out there. They, they make good plays. Good bets, does this, yep. d- yeah, does, does this excite you uh, about Polygon in particular, the Matic network? Yeah, absolutely. It excites me. But in general, also, anytime you have these institutional VCs coming into um, uh, uh, the, the Web3 projects and investing in, in, in the crypto projects, that's just super exciting for, for me personally. Um, that kind of also validates the possibilities. Like we always talk about, okay, um, <laughs> I, there, there is other side to it as well. I mean, as Jack mentioned that if uh, I'm talking about Jack mm-hmm. Dorsey. Uh, he yeah. mentioned that if VCs are putting money into Web3, you really don't own Web3 anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. to scale these projects, you really need the money. And and I think this is a positive step. I do as well. And, and it's important that this money came in at this stage in Polygon's life cycle, right? If yeah. Polygon took all this money to get off the ground, then the VCs are going to end up with a majority stake. Whereas yeah. they're coming in at yep. this point at, at already a 13 uh, or $18 billion uh, fully diluted market cap, they're not able to take as much of the pie from retail uh, compared to other projects that did big rounds much earlier on. That is true. That is true. And that's that's very important reading, actually. Bang on. on. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> so, yes, uh, true. And, and I think that's where I, I want to be more informed myself about the, the altcoins or the, all, or the all alternative world other than uh, like the Bitcoin and the Ethereum. And I think this is kind of opening up um, lots of doors for myself personally and, and very excited to see what your users have in the comment for altcoins. Yeah, so let's take a look at some of the comments. Uh, we got one for Shib. Shiba Inu has been going crazy today. Uh, we'll take we'll definitely... Yeah, they announced they're becoming a layer two solution. That's really interesting news. Logan, I saw one of our old viewers, Kindred Duke, in the chat asking about Looks Token. I'd be interested in at looking at Looks. Uh, they had their airdrop a couple months ago. They've been holding up really well considering the market's been down. I think that's mainly due to their staking mechanism. They're really incentivizing everybody to hold their Looks Token on the website and give out big rewards. Uh, but their APY has been going down. I think that's something to note. Obviously, it wasn't very sustainable. We were around 1,000% APY when they airdropped their tokens out. But we're still chilling at like 500% APY. And in the past, Logan, do you know how long it's been since Looks airdropped their token? Maybe three weeks now? Yeah, let's see. It was on January 10th. Okay, so almost a month ago, and our positions have already doubled in terms of the ETH rewards and the Looks token rewards that we got. And we're still trading higher than we were when the token was airdropped. So really strong stuff coming from Looks. Amar, have you been following this at all? No, not at all. I mean, teach me more about it. Super interested to know more. So, so it's a decentralized still, competitor yeah, to OpenSea, first off. Okay. Uh, and what they did is they targeted OpenSea users who had spent a lot of ETH on the platform. So if mm-hmm. you had spent three ETH, you'd qualify for the base tier of the Looks airdrop. 
If you'd spent more than that, then you would get, you know, additionally increasing amounts of looks. You could stake this looks on the platform to earn a huge annual yield. You earn a ton of the trading fees. You earn ETH, a percentage of the trading fees for staking, and you also earn looks uh, annually compounded or oh, like constantly compounded. Um, so, you know, it was a couple hundred bucks to claim this airdrop and mm -hmm. you're getting thousands of thousands of dollars of value right off the bat. And a lot of people locked it up, taking that liquidity off the market. The question remains, though, you know, looks rares. The majority of trading volume on looks rare is wash trading to try to farm these liquidity incentives. Uh, you know, the sustainability of that is now, I think, in question a little bit. Yeah. But I do think if we see the continuation in the in the NFT market trends, uh, it could not, it, you know, it might not go to zero anytime soon. It might uh, say the platform fails. It's probably not going to be for a couple months. Okay. Yeah. So I personally don't um, long term hold, um, except Bitcoin personally. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do trade on on some of these uh, coins, and so I could potentially look into that. Definitely want to uh, look out for. All right, that's yeah. enough bad jokes for today. Um, <laughs> we got our first ever comment from LinkedIn. That's kind of cool. LinkedIn? Are you streaming this on LinkedIn as well? Apparently. Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, All right, in honor yeah. of our first LinkedIn comment, let's take a look at Cardano, Ada, Amar. What do you think about this one? um personally not a good feeling about it. same <laughs> I mean, yeah so in in the art world this is what I'm, what my understanding is really um so most of the arts will follow bitcoin uh, but a lot of them lag behind a lot and i i think probably it's like 80 20 ratio like 20 percent would follow the uptrend uh but i'm not very positive about cardano right now mm -hmm. very bearish on it what about you? Yeah. Guys? We're we're both pretty bearish on Cardano as well. I think Logan does have a small position to hedge some of his other layer one blockchains. I currently do not, and I don't think I actually ever have owned any Cardano. Uh, I play off the ecosystems a lot. So I really like Ethereum because it has the most robust ecosystem, so many different applications you can actually use on it. I became extremely bearish on Cardano after the Alonzo hard fork when they implemented smart contracts uh, because they weren't able to get any value locked inside of those smart contracts. It wasn't really usable. Uh, so without the use case there, I'm not going to be an investor. Maybe if they fix that and I see yeah. like, a lot of value coming, then maybe that I'll change been... my mind. Yeah, that has exactly. I totally agree with you. That has been my issue as well. I mean, unless I see a use case, I'm I'm not particularly interested uh, in a coin. Uh, Ethereum. That's why it, it is very interesting to me. Uh, Bitcoin, on the other side, is more of a store of value kind of thing for me. But also that I do swing trade and uh, I trade very frequently, and I take both a long and short positions. So. Uh, works out great. I mean, if, if you look at derivatives market, um, there's not much on the altcoin side. Majority of derivatives is happening on the Bitcoin side. And Ethereum is now picking up as well. So you're, you're right that unless you have proper use cases, it doesn't interest us. I agree with you there, Amar. I'm, I'm curious to know, do you think that ETH could flip Bitcoin if NFTs weren't a thing and they weren't as big as they are? Probably yes. Um, but again, the layer two would be uh, the thing, you know. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I think the current trend that you see is perhaps because of the NFT thing. That might be the most widely used use case of Ethereum. But there are other solid use cases. And, and perhaps uh, once you have more scalable solution available, uh, I think Ethereum has the potential to be more dominant um, cryptocurrency in 2022. That's one of the prediction, by the way, we worked on a report together. Um, I think uh, the, it's a very extensive report uh, on the crypto market for 2021. But we also threw in some predictions for 2022. So this is one of the predictions in, in the report that Ethereum can potentially surpass Bitcoin in 2022. Love to hear that. OK, so what do you make of the Shiba Inu chart? <laughs> Logan, go on. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so um, 
Shiba Inu is the, you know, the dog coin that was worth $40 billion for uh, God knows what reason. And then they decided to become a decentralized exchange that nobody used. And now they're deciding to become a layer two network that nobody's going to use. And uh, it's up 45% today. So that's the summary. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're confused. I, I don't know what they're yeah. trying to do, really. What happens tomorrow? So today's layer two, <laughs> what happens tomorrow? And so that kind of uh, takes away away the credibility uh, of the team mm -hmm. itself. Yeah, and so now, uh, for me, it's a no. Tomorrow, they're going to be a layer three network. Yeah, but why is it 45% off? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't get it. But it's good for day traders, you know, especially for scalpers. It's really good. I mean, if you see those kinds of volatility, you mm -hmm. could potentially make a lot of money. Ryan, you got any thoughts on Shiba? No, I agree with Amar. I mean, they should have stuck to a, a decentralized exchange. Obviously, they were having problems with that. Amar, I don't know if you saw, but when Shiba, it's called Shiba Swap, when their decks were launched, they had like a billion dollars of total value locked in their decks. So it looked super impressive, but it turned out that most of that was just Shiba Inu held by some whales. Uh, so all of that basically got taken off and Shiba Inu was going down for months. So, you know, they had like $150 million locked like three months after their launch. So it looked like it was going to be really promising from the get-go and then it kind of crashed and failed, which is, is kind of what I expected. I mean, it, it is Shiba Inu at the end of the day. Yeah. Other thing about decentralized exchanges is that uh, it's not going to work out as it worked for centralized exchange, like anybody and everybody coming up with an exchange really not going to work out as well. And I also think that there's a lot of usability issues with decentralized exchanges. So adoption is going to be um, critical for any of those projects to be successful. And so I don't know, was it a good step for them to do that? Perhaps not. Um, layer two, let's wait and watch. I definitely would not trust the security of their decentralized exchange, let alone their layer two. You think I'm going to bridge my money over to the Shiba Inu layer two? You've got another thing coming. Um, <laughs> all right, Amar, we've got a couple minutes left before our next guest hops on. Would you mind taking a few minutes to tell us about Hyperlink and what you provide to the space? Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, Hyperlink is uh, a fintech company. We develop technologies around cryptocurrency trading. So our sole objective right now is to bring um, institutional grade software accessible to everyone. And, and so we have this terminal called HyperTrader where you could connect your exchange accounts and not only just accounts on one exchange with multiple exchanges, but also multiple accounts on the same exchanges. And funny enough, you like people do use multiple accounts on one exchange and it's easy to track. And also you can see your PNL, you can see detailed uh, trade analytics as well. You can see your price delta, you can see your win rates, et cetera. But also, um, you have trading view charts integrated right in the platform. And we have this very robust order management system, which makes it really, really efficient for you as a trader to quickly get in and out of the market. Scalpers and day traders love HyperTrader. Awesome. And if somebody wants to learn more about HyperTrader, where should they go to connect with you? So you can come to hypertrader.app, and we are always on live chat. You can talk to us, but I'm also available on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, we also have a Discord um, chan, uh, server, so you can go to, I think, discord.gg slash hypertraders. Uh, there are other hypertraders hanging around there, and you can talk to them, learn more about the markets and the tool itself. Awesome. And if you're out there you're interested in what Amar's got going on, make sure to check out the report as well. I know Ryan worked really hard on that, yep. and I read it. I loved it. Blown away by it. So. Um, Ryan, maybe if you could find a link and drop it in the chat, that'd be awesome. Yeah, let me try and find it right now. Yeah, you can also go to blog.hyperlink.io. Uh, that's our go. blog where we post everything related to markets and, and different projects and our opinions. And there you can find the report as well. All right. I'm going to put it in the comments right now. It is hyperlink with a Q at the end, just so you guys that know. That is correct. Hyperlink with a Q.io. Boom. All right, uh, Amar, thank you so much for your time. Great hearing your thoughts on the markets. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Amar. Bye-bye. Bye. All righty, Ryan. How you All feeling? All right, Logan. Well, we do have three minutes before our next interview. Do you want to look at a few NFTs? Do you want to just chat it up? Do you want to bring on Arthur Brock? Is he backstage? What's the move? Doo-doo.
Arthur Brock is not backstage yet, so let's take a look at some NFTSs. Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, okay, what do you want to look at? Tossing it over to you. Azuka's at the top of the charts. Clone X has been doing really well lately. They just had another drop, Logan. Did you hear much about that? Uh, Artifact yeah, that released something crazy. a few days ago. Already trading around a 5 ETH floor. It's probably up on the charts within the top 20. Yeah, um, right here. The monolith, yep. So right around Craziness. 5 ETH. I wish I had the info to talk about it, but I really don't know what they're doing with this, Logan. Do you know what they're doing here? Uh, I'm not an expert by any means, but they're metaverse pods. Um, and so our buddy Max Norris got one. I can try to pull up his tweet about it in a second. But I mean, this was an airdrop to all artifact holders. It's sick. It's got the Nike logo on it. Uh, and it's worth five ETH. Like, holy crap. That's like half the, half the value of the clone X's. Um, sh shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know? Yeah, and I did see Max's pod. That was really cool. So it's like a metaverse space, almost like a mini museum or a mini apartment that you can put your other NFTs in. So I saw he put up his squiggles next to each other. He put up his CryptoPunk, a few other NFTs he had. So really cool idea, uh, you know, a unique use case I really haven't seen with NFTs yet. I know there's places you can go and put your NFTs on display, but I haven't seen other NFTs that you can actually like go into and then put your NFTs on display uh, within this monolith pod. Okay, so so check this out. There's a couple big things on Max's page. Uh, the Coinbase NFT email has officially gone out. It is coming soon. Very, very soon, says Coinbase NFT. Very, very exciting. Uh, okay, so here is the Metapod. Check it out. What do you think? Yeah, it's sweet. I love how they have the Nike, Jordan, Converse, and Artifact mm -hmm. logo all next to each other, really establishing Artifact as a key brand within the Nike suite of, of products. So cool. Wish I had one myself, but I don't. Uh, Ryan, when are you going to buy a heart? For the love of God, man. Um, okay, so I actually did list my killer girlfriend yesterday at the floor on Looks Rare, and it didn't sell. The volume has been super, super low. Uh, kind of unfortunate, but I am looking to get a heart as soon as that sells. Uh, I do think there is greater long-term potential with these. They're doing such cool events. You went to the last one, and now you're going mm -hmm. to the next one in LA. It's next week, right, Logan? Yes, it is. It is a week from today in Los Angeles. They're doing a two-week pop-up event starting on Valentine's Day. Uh, huge, huge merch drop. Collaboration with Fred Siegel, who's been designing clothes in LA for over 60 years. Uh, they have a, a new collab with the Deadfellas NFT project announced today. That is a 3 ETH floor. Um, and they also have a collaboration with another artist whose name is escaping me right now, but it's going to be an airdrop. There's a collab with Edison Chen. I mean, the guys behind this project are collaborating like it's nobody's business. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Ryan, which one are you going to get? I'm not sure yet. I like the gold. I like the sparkles. I like the simple backgrounds, too. I think some of these with the, the really messy backgrounds don't really appeal to me too much. I like that one that, that Heyman mm -hmm. got last week uh, with the mm -hmm. hearts in the background. I thought that was really cool. These two right here on the left. So I've been looking at those backgrounds. I actually looked at this one right here for 0.75 this morning. I thought that one was pretty clean. Uh, yeah, I like you it. know, when I get NFTs, I don't want to get one that's like slightly above the floor. I feel like I either need to go for one at the floor or something I can pick up that's a bit more rare that I can get a premium for because... I don't know, something like that. I'm not sure if I could could charge a premium for if I wanted to liquidate it. I, I'm just going to intrude here like the voice of God. <laughs> oh my God, um, what's up, bro? Rohan. What's, um, up? what's up, Moonerbust viewers? No, I, I, uh, I'm also looking to still pick up a heart. I, I've been dragging my feet a bit. Oh, that, yeah? So, oh, yeah? Um, I don't know. These, these heart backgrounds are pretty cool. But, they are uh, pretty cool. I really like this blue sky one. Oh, the one with the beard? Yeah, like this background in particular, the blue sky one. Yeah, the a artist, couple of the ones I was looking at. The artist has a custom that has this one. 
Uh, that's not the right place. Um, yeah, we could take a look more at these a little bit later. But we do have Arthur Brock backstage from Holochain. Very excited to learn more about this project today. So Rohan, hit us up later and we'll, we'll look at the Hearts Project. Uh, I just got my fourth yesterday, so it's about time you guys pick it up. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> but let's bring Arthur on. Arthur Brock, welcome to Moon or Bust. Thank you for joining us here today at Benzinga. Truly a pleasure. I cannot wait to learn about Holochain. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, actually. Uh, in, the, in the midst of a whole bunch of other messaging, I'm hoping I don't get interrupted. Uh, so, but uh, doing nope. really well. Happy to be here and looking forward to seeing what we're talking about. Yeah, most definitely. And if you do have to, to jump off for a message, feel free. We're totally flexible. Uh, no pressure over there. But I want to know, first off, Arthur, how did you get started in distributed systems? Um, it, it's been it's actually been quite a while. There was a, a, a system that I was working on called called Congo DB and only ever got partially completed. Uh, it was just kind of a side passion project that I was working on. Um, in the late 90s and uh it, it kind of evolved it, it came into into uh, we had we made some some prototypes of it in the early 2000s and then i met uh eric harris brown who's the other co-founder of holochain and uh we started working on various things together um including Scepter, it, which was kind of a, 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 the big project that's behind Holochain, actually. Holochain is sort of a, a part of a larger vision that's all decentralized systems. It's a bit of kind of a rebuild of our computing currency and communications stack from the kind of scalability principles of nature. And that's all decentralized, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So. So Arthur, for our guests who aren't familiar, can you explain what Holochain is? Because I know it's not a blockchain, but it is decentralized and distributed. Um, and maybe go over what problems Holochain is solving. Sure. Yeah, Holochain is, um, it, it's, I think it, as far as the vision of the, the blockchain space in terms of uh, some of solving some of the problems of centralized control, um, to me, Holochain is the kind of vehicle that can actually fulfill on that. As I said, it's patterned on the design principles we observe in nature. So uh, if you think about, for example, the way the cells in your body coordinate, it doesn't seem like they're synchronizing global state with some kind of ledger, right? It seems that we have local state and then coordination protocols for visibility into the, the local state and coordination of those local states. And so um, what Holochain ends up being is uh, a, a system that is completely peer-to-peer. -peer. So we don't have miners or stakers and we don't have global consensus. Every user is actually running their own local chain, a, what we call a source chain basically everything that they write, the actions that you take. So for example, if you were running, if you were running Twitter on a peer-to-peer -peer basis, it would just be your tweets, your follows, your, the, the actions you've taken, your favorites, the things that were the actions you've taken, it's a recording of your history and it's structured as a hash chain so that we have basically cryptographic insurance of its immutability. You can't go back and alter the past without breaking the hashes in the chain. And then we publish to a, instead of it being um, a blockchain where the chain is sort of what you're getting, is what's getting published publicly, we publish to a DHT, a distributed hash table, which is the kind of technology behind um, BitTorrent and other kinds of file sharing platforms and stuff. And being able to shard DHTs is a much different problem than sharding global state, global consensus in the blockchain. It's actually an easier problem to solve. So Holochain has sharding of of that of the uh, the DHT. So it might be better to think about Holochain not as blockchain, where it's like we have one central state that we're trying to spread across many computers, but more like a mashup of Git 
which is used for decentralized, you know, version control of of code and documents and that kind of stuff by programmers. And so Git plus BitTorrent. It's a little bit more like that kind of mashup. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, there, but yeah, Logan, go ahead. Uh, I'm I'll sure try you have to, some questions to follow up. I don't know if I'm going too technical. I already. <laughs> no, I thought that that was that was great. I'm going to try to break it down a little bit. So, um, you know, Ethereum, everybody keeps the same copy of all the data. Uh, they have a global ordering that is shared by everyone uh, and they all must coordinate on the order of the data. Uh, this takes a bit of extra time and energy. Uh, and potentially uh, maybe too much time and energy for certain applications. Um, I think this is where Holochain comes in uh, and provides a, a different product altogether. So I'm curious to know, uh, you know, Holochain does not have a native, uh, you know, currency or a native asset. So participants in the network uh, join for their own based on their own desire to participate correct yeah well holochain isn't a monolithic network so you only join the networks that you want to participate in in other words if you the if you're running a, a twitter like clone on, on holochain and you want to participate in twitter then you install that and you're in the twitter network you're not running all of the other apps you're only running the twitter app and um so anyway let me just clarify that part so each app is separate you're not joining like the holochain network mm -hmm. so does this place any limitations on the apps or use cases of the chain uh you know is this specifically for one uh you know type of person or user or is this the type of thing that could uh, have a wide retail adoption. I mean, you, you mentioned that everybody has to run their own node. I'm not sure if that's a complicated process, uh, more or less complicated than creating an Ethereum wallet. Uh, it's more like the kind of thing of installing any app on your computer. Like if you want to install Slack on your computer or if you want to you know, install an app on your phone and people are, I think, are pretty used to doing that kind of thing. Um, I actually think because Holochain doesn't have a native token, it doesn't create some of those barriers to entry of where you have to create a secure wallet or you run risks of getting scammed out of your money and you know th that kind of thing, that it actually can reach to mainstream users more easily. And in fact, the first major project that we have been building on Holochain is the Holo hosting network mm -hmm. to bridge Holochain apps to web users who would have essentially an identical experience to using centralized websites. They just type in a web address and they, and then um, if they want to make changes, they have to create an account. Just like if you, you know, if you go to Airbnb and you can browse properties, but if you want to start saving some to a favorites list, or if you want to reserve, make a reservation, now you're making a state change and you have to create an account, same thing. And we, uh, through the whole hosting network, let people create an account just via an email mm -hmm. and password. And what we're actually doing is using that email and password to generate their cryptographic keys that they mm -hmm. only have locally that we don't actually have. And they have to be able to use that same email and password to regenerate their cryptographic keys if they come back. So we can't do things like change their password for them or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's a little minor different experience in terms of you know, we can't do a password reset because you you actually generated your keys from it. Um, right. But uh, other so, than that, it's like totally available to mainstream use. So you, you made the comparison to, you know, the, the human body and, and each individual is like a cell, right? They act independently. They don't need to check uh, with a centralized source to, you know, get permission to, to do something, right? But sometimes cells get sick. Uh, or they turn against the body. And in that case, there's the immune system, which kicks in, uh, you know, this central organized effort to fight off any malicious actors. How does the holo chain take care or deal with malice? Yeah, that's really a great question. Let me just 
add to the frame a little bit here. There's this concept of Byzantine fault tolerance, you know, being able to to be have your system tolerate mm -hmm. problems with, um, you know, messages that are lost or out of order or forged or, you know, by malicious actors in the system that are messing with things. And part of the, the philosophy that is kind of encoded into blockchain is that we have to prevent such things from ever happening and that the technology part of the, 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 the structure of the global consensus is preventing it from happening in the first place. And Holochain is a little bit more oriented around immediately catching it when it's happened and detecting that and blocking the person and not even needing any form of majority or consensus to do that. You can always basically count on only yourself. You only have to trust yourself. And in cases where you don't want to do the work, you can trust that there's any one honest peer out of the whole group of peers because of the immune system, because one honest peer detecting a problem can take the evidence that was all cryptographically signed by whoever mm -hmm. committed the, the act, tried to double spend some currency or tried to do anything that breaks the validation rules of the application, even mm -hmm. post a tweet that exceeds the character limit, right? That would actually be mm -hmm. something that would fail validation. And I can, I can, uh, put a little envelope around your signed message where you send out a tweet that breaks the validation rules and say, this person's not following the rules and any other node can validate for themselves. Who's telling the truth. Am I doing a fake report or did that person break the rules? And because they all, we all have the validation rules and can validate for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that, that's how the immune system works. Is it basically, if I see that you're cheating, I just add you to my block list and you can't interact with me anymore. And so what happens is if you cheat, all honest nodes basically turn away from you and you can only interact with other cheaters <laughs> who are willing to still interact with you. That's really interesting. So is there any type of incentive for, you know, pointing out these bad actors or is it just, you know, preventing yourself from maybe being subjected to them in the future? Well, first of all, it's all built into the system. You would actually have to hack your node to not report it. Because what happens is uh. anytime you receive data that you are supposed to be a, a resilience node for, basically that you're supposed to store and be able to serve to people, you have to validate that data because we never, nobody ever can serve unvalidated data. And so when you validate that data, this is part of how the sharding process works. If I, if I do a transaction, it's going to go out, out to you know, 50 or 100 peers out there to store and be able to serve that even when I'm offline. It's part of the resilience of the system always being available. And so in any case, whether the vid data validates or not, you send a receipt. You either send me a receipt that it validated, and then I get this pile of receipts that basically shows the network has validated the my thing. And you can even use that for certain kinds of forensics, like the network, like deciding kind of a network time in the way that like Hashgraph does, like look at the, uh, a median network time for ordering. You could use your validation receipts that way. But a, a warrant is basically a negative validation receipt. It's saying this failed validation. And then it's that gets gossiped to, to people and everybody can check for themselves. And basically they add malicious nodes to the, to their block list and malicious nodes just get blocked out of the network. So this, th let me just look, think, talk about it this way. Mm -hmm. When you're driving down the road, you have an option of, or, or when you're building a road, maybe I should say, you have an option of constructing like a concrete barrier between the lanes of, of opposing traffic, right? And yet most of the time, all we have is some painted lines on the ground. We're not mm -hmm. actually preventing you from leaving your lane, but we're making it visible if you do. So imagine mm -hmm. if, every, if all cars were Teslas with cameras that could report on other cars mm -hmm. doing, you know, doing things where you're breaking the, the rules, where you're driving the wrong way on the other side of the lane and you know, like, like that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. 
blockchain is about having concrete barriers that prevent you from getting out of the lane. Holochain mm -hmm. is about detecting when you are breaking the rules and then revoking your license. You're not allowed to go on the road anymore, basically. And so if, if having little painted lines on the road is good enough for when our lives are at stake, right? Because a head-on collision is mm -hmm. a potentially deadly act. Then we mm -hmm. think having the painted lines on the road essentially is a good enough uh, approach also for you know Web 3.0. That and I think what people are going to find out once they actually start using Holochain for in some of the same ways uh, as like DeFi <clears throat> that blockchain is being used for and stuff. I think they're actually going to find out Holochain can actually be more secure, even though it can provide higher assurance, even though it's providing. Mm after the act instead of before the act. Mm -hmm. But remember, the act is writing to your source chain, right? So you're, you're only, the only action you can take is write to yourself. Mm -hmm. You can only take your state. And then that gets advertised, you know? And so it's the advertising phase at which you get caught. But, mm -hmm. you, but certainly you can write bad things to your chain, but all you've done is create cryptographic proof that you're a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that makes it pretty clear, Ryan. Do you have any follow-ups? Yeah, so speaking of applications on Holochain, uh, could you explain what Junto is? I, I saw that on your website. It's about being the next generation social media on Holochain. Yeah, so there's been a couple iterations of Junto, just like there's been a couple iterations of, of um, Holochain. And um, they have a, uh, a phone-based app where they've been testing this network and it currently actually runs on um, that phone-based app ran on a centralized system on MongoDB with the design in place to actually switch it over to Holochain. And then in the new version of, of Junto that is not fully released to people yet, um, it's they've created a, more of like a white label social network tool that they call Flux. And they're using a kind of um, integrator platform that came from one of our past Holochain developers, Nicholas Luck, called um, Adam, AD4M. And um, it is for being able to do kind of cross-chain application building so that you can use like IPFS and Holochain and potentially other chains all, all together. And so Junto has been implemented on that platform. Sorry, I went straight to a technical answer. Um, mm -hmm. But basically, it's a social network tool. And you can build social networks. It's not necessarily trying to be like the one social network to rule them all. It's a little bit more, I don't know if you guys remember Ning, where you could build your own networks, or maybe Mighty Networks, are you familiar with them, where you build communities using these tools and you have chat and discussion and events and, you know, uh, friends and relationships, that, that, that type of stuff. Um, but it's a, it's a social network tool that is built to run on, on Holochain. And you mentioned too, that you can use an application on Holochain without being part of the whole network, but like a big deal for a lot of these, uh, blockchain technologies is that a lot of these applications are interoperable. So is Holochain still interoperable between different applications on its network? Um, what I was trying to clarify with that is that there is no Holochain network, like the network. People gotcha. ask questions about like, when's the main net going to launch? There's no such <laughs> thing, right? And so, uh, but Holochain applications are all using the same communication protocols and actually are extremely bridgeable. Um, however, not via the network communication. In other words, if you're running like a, let's say a, a Twitter app and a Wikipedia app, you can't send a message from a Twitter node to a Wikipedia node because those are essentially separate peer-to-peer -peer encrypted networks. But what you can do is run the Twitter app and the Wikipedia app locally. And each time you edit a Wikipedia article, you can tweet your new edit Right, you can trigger it locally, and then that can go out to the Twitter app. And so what it means is that agents are the bridges between apps. Apps don't natively bridge to each other over the network. 
they bridge through agency. And this is one of the kind of design principles of, of Holochain is that it's actually agent centric. It's based on, on uh, the agency of the humans doing things and um, their record and their accountability and their actions and they are bridging. And what's great about that is you don't need any weird abstractions for permissions between like a Twitter app and a, and a Holochain app or sorry, a, a Wikipedia app. It's just whatever permissions you have in both spaces because you're the one bridging the action. And if somebody else was bridging it in another case, then then they would have whatever permissions they have and they're accountable for whatever they do. It's interesting. So it really is truly decentralized in, in a way that just typical blockchains couldn't be, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and through that, I think we, we actually solve a bunch of the scalability challenges as well. Very cool. So uh, Holochain minted HOT as an ERC-20, which will be redeemable for Holofuel, uh, which is launching soon. Now, this is not a native asset of the Holochain, but of Holoports. What are what are the difference? Uh, what's the difference between the hollow chain and the hollow ports? And will hollow fuel reflect demand for the chain as well as the ports? So hollow chain didn't actually uh, mint the hot token. That was the hollow hosting network. So the hollow okay. hosting network has a native token, which okay. is um, hollow fuel, because what essentially the way the the way Holochain works is you host yourself, right? It's so decentralized mm -hmm. that we can't even know all the Holochain apps that would be running. If mm -hmm. you happen to use our bootstrap service, we do provide services for app developers. So you don't have to run a bootstrap server and that kind of thing. If you happen to use our bootstrap server, then we might know that your app exists, but mm -hmm. our bootstrap service is packaged with Holochain. You can run your own. There's no way for, and that's like the only sort of micro moment of centralization is if you haven't talked to the network yet, you have to find a node, right? And so you have to bootstrap yourself into the network. And that's like the, mm. the, the moment in which we might be able to see that a network exists if they're using our, our bootstrap service. Um, Interesting. So uh, Holofuel is designed for high volumes of micro transactions, basically, to be able to do billions of micro hosting transactions a day. And that's um, that's the thing for powering the Holo hosting network to allow Holochain apps to be bridged to mainstream web users who are not hosting themselves. Um, and Holofuel can be one of many currencies that you could build on Holochain. There's a bunch of groups that, have, that are building and have built um, currencies on Holochain. And currencies are built a little bit differently. That may be a worthwhile topic of its own. Um, but did I answer your question? I forget actually what you asked about hot and holo fuel. The demand. Yeah, I, yeah, it's a good a good explanation of the separation between the holo chain and holo hosting, which is more of like an IPFS competitor, right? No, well, no. It's a store. It's a storage layer, a decentralized storage layer. No, see, this is the thing: is that that people people do think about like Filecoin or. Um, you know, storage or made safe things that are storage oriented. Holochain is application oriented. It's like the difference between an interplanetary file system mm -hmm. and a database. You know, it's the difference between web one file based web pages and web two database driven interactive things. Holochain is designed to enable the database driven interactive stuff. It's not right. about storage. Holo hosting, though, on the other hand, is. A storage platform, yeah? No, it just bridges Holochain apps of any of any type to web users who are not hosting themselves. So in case you're not running Holochain, so you can't install the Holochain app, you can just go to a web address and reach, basically have a peer-to-peer -peer hosting network run Holochain for you. Interesting. Okay, so that's what you would need the Holofuel token to pay for access to, right? Exactly. You're paying that peer-to-peer -peer hosting network instead of Amazon, except it really isn't you paying it any more than, you know, when you go to Airbnb, you're not paying Amazon for the hosting, they are, mm -hmm. right? So um, if you make, you know, fair B2B, fair B&B on Holochain and you go to fairbnb.org, it's mm -hmm. fair B&B that's paying the Holo hosting network, not 
the end user. So you don't have to create a wallet. You don't have to do any of those things. You just use it just like you were using a centralized web app. It's just you don't realize it's being served out from a decentralized network. Gotcha. So yeah, let's talk about the the difference in the tokens on Holochain. Uh, there isn't necessarily a fungible token standard, is there? Uh, there is not, and um, we we are we're looking at. We have a group, a working group that's actually looking at a um, creating a, a token standard, but the focus is not on token in the same way because it's not a token centric architecture. It's mm-hmm. more of the the peer-to-peer accounting protocols for a, um, a mutual credit currency standard, which is the way we recommend people implement currencies on Holochain is basically as peer-to-peer accounting. And what's great about that is that it also gives us the possibility of navigating the regulatory world very differently um, in that we don't have to create a bunch of tokens that might be in danger of being classified as a security or something like that. It's literally just your actions and an account record on your chain of your actions. And that's an accounting is legal everywhere. I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> there's definitely a lot to dive into. I mean, we have like probably 10 more questions in two more minutes, but Arthur, <laughs> let me throw one more at you that I had. Uh, maybe just from a high level, but how are dApps on Holochain uh, different than apps on Ethereum and Solana uh, from a perspective of a developer? So what's the difference between making an app on Holochain or Ethereum, for example? Uh, well, one big difference is that, you know, once you've written your your contract to the Ethereum blockchain, it's kind of written in stone forever. And so I've, I've watched a lot of devs spend good spend invest a lot of time in building an app and having security audits and then still be terrified of launching their app because you know if there's a, mm-hmm. a mistake a vulnerability it they're kind of screwed because it's written in there forever and in, mm-hmm. in whole chain since it's your own network you can basically each app is a separate network you can basically do a migration process if you need to update the app to um, another version of the app and have your peers update themselves and and that kind of thing. And so it's a little bit more flexible for giving space. Um, we also have some rapid application development tools um, and you can use normal web APIs, for example, whatever web framework you like to use. Um, you don't need MetaMask or, you know, any kind of um, wallet enabled uh, tools for being able to, to build apps. Ryan, if you don't have a follow-up, Arthur, I, I, if you could just give us like a 60-second overview, what does the ecosystem surrounding the Holochain currently look like? It currently looks like a lot of early-stage applications. There's a bunch of projects that there's, there's really v- very little that is kind of uh, production stage, uh, but a lot of cool innovation and early-stage projects that are in their testing phases and early release to community, um, but very little that is um, in production yet. Uh, and it, it's a very, it's a vibrant and supportive community. We actually have had, you know, the people come forward from the community and, and create developer camps and lead trainings with, you know, for each other, free trainings. And and uh, it's a pretty, pretty supportive interactive space there's like discord groups and online forums and and things where you can come and and learn and play and experiment if somebody wanted to do that what would be the best place or location for them to start at uh developer.holochain.org is a good place if you're a developer just holochain.org to to get started is a good home base forum.holochain.org takes you to one of the discussion forums if you want to be, potentially become a host by a holoport, you know, that kind of thing, um, check out holo.host for the hosting network. Awesome. Arthur, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure talking to you. I feel like I learned a million things and have uh, many hours of homework to do. Love to have you on again in the future to, to follow up and, and maybe learn some more and watch the development as it goes on. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Logan, Ryan.
Thank you. Cool. Have a good one. All right, Ryan. That was a lot, Man, but I really I, enjoyed I feel, it. I feel kind of dumb now, Logan. We always talk about blockchains. We never talk about Holochain. I mean, there's so many different ways to go about solving the same problem. It's so interesting to look at. It really, really is. And this is something that, you know, I, I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about different ways of, of approaching the problem to that Byzantine fault tolerance uh, issue that, that Arthur brought up. That is what Bitcoin cracked in the beginning, but maybe you don't need to crack it at all. Uh, I guess only time will tell, but that is all we have for you today. If you, this is your first time here at Benzinga or on Moonerbust, make sure to smash the like button. Let us know. Drop a comment to say hi. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter. Uh, mine is at L-O-G-A-N-N-R-O-S-S, -S, and Ryan's is Ryan on Chain. You look like you're on a chair, Ryan, not a chain. Is there, is there no, a chain below no, you? No, it's a chain. Well, oh, okay. I'm, I'm on the chain, like, like you know, like the crypto, like the like the blockchain, you know, like blockchain, Ryan on chain. It, it kind of makes kind of makes sense. Uh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you on Friday. Good luck trading this week. Peace out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.